Hola familia. Welcome as we continue this week in a conversation called Close Encounters and a discussion in particular around spaces and places of doubt in our lives. It doesn't take us to look very far or very long to find opportunities for doubt, maybe even for discouragement when it comes to what's happening all around us in the world, in our families, in different spaces and places where we each interact. As part of our journey together, we've invited you into moments of practice where we invite ourselves to be fully present before God. And when it comes to those spaces and places of doubt, the presence of being mind or the practice of being mindful of filling our minds with the things of Jesus is what we can do to anchor ourselves even in those places of doubt. You see, it's when we fill our minds with what is true that we put our doubts in perspective. And so for our practice today, I want to invite you to focus on who God is, to allow your mind to be filled with the truth of who he is and what he does. As part of that, I'm going to name for us just a few of the names God goes by in scripture. There are dozens and dozens of ways that God has referred to and refers to himself. They include Adonai, the Lord of all, the Lord who heals us, the Lord who liberates us, the Lord who provides for us, the Lord who sees us. And so even as we say those names, I invite you to, to kind of check in your heart with what resonates most deeply within you. I'm going to declare those again over us. And as I do that, I invite you, whatever clicks in with you, focus on that in your mind as we worship in song, as we worship in prayer, and even in hearing the message, and see what God does as far as putting your doubts in perspective. So again, he is Adonai, the Lord of all things. He is the God who heals us. He is the God who provides for us. He is the God who sustains us. He is the God who sees us. That's worship. of my enemies You invite me to the table and you tell me just to sit and feast You are not afraid when the table's screaming loud at me Cause you've overcome You're the God of victory That we're laying on the ground I'm dancing in the dark Lighting up the night Joy becomes a weapon I am here to fight, fight, fight I am here to fight, fight, fight When I walk through the valley of the shadow I will not fear death Cause I know by my side and you never leave me by myself And even when I'm weary you are calling me to come and rest Cause you cannot be stopped You've already defeated hell Oh, oh you cannot be stopped Cause you've already defeated hell 
I pull it. 
declare this together. Toro. Toro, lo que viene del enemigo. Lo transformas para bien. Yeah. Lo transformas para bien. Toro, lo que viene del enemigo. Lo transformas para bien. Lo transformas para bien. moment of prayer, we are going to continue allowing our minds to just be fully present as we sit before God. This is just such a precious time because it allows us to just set our hearts and our minds on our God above. It allows us to step away from this earthly world and to just truly experience the hope that God brings. You know, I often hear people say that this practice can be a challenge because of all the distractions that they feel, and I totally get it. I have had a really hard time with this, and I know that some like myself, that we can just, it can just take some practice. When I first started this practice of mindfulness, God often also got my grocery list and he got my to-do list and, and I was just easily distracted. However, like any type of training over time, it is just, it's still a struggle, but, but things have just gotten easier. I started being able to just sit mindfully with this, the Lord in this beautiful space that he provided. It has just become one of the biggest blessings in my life. So my prayer for you today is that this week that you are just able to step into this amazing practice or just even go deeper in your own mindfulness journey. So my prayer is that you are able to just set aside all of your distractions and just be in the presence with your heavenly Father who loves you deeply like we are reminded in Colossians 3 when it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. 
Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So in a moment, I am going to lead you in this moment of prayer. And I encourage you to just take the prayer posture that resonates with you the most as we pray through the encouraging words we just read in Colossians and that God just helps guide you during this mindfulness journey. Let's pray. God, I just ask that you just guide my church family and that they grow deeper in their mindfulness journey with you that you just wipe away their distractions and you help them to find the place where they can just truly be mindfully present with you so that you can really, they can really just feel through you, your hope and your love and your truth and the victory that you have over their life. Friends, I invite you to slay those distractions before God along with your requests, even now. Even as we pray these words of scripture, just remind us that, that we have been raised with Christ. Help us to just set our hearts on things above. Remind us, Jesus, that you are King. Help us set our mind on things above, not on earthly things. And now we ask God that you just help us this week to walk this out, live this out, experience you in a fresh and new way as we lean into experiencing you through our mind, body, spirit, and community. We pray these things in the name of Father, Son, Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I am so excited to lean into this moment with you as we lean into Eastertide together. Eastertide is the season of the church between Easter and Pentecost. It's 50 days where we are really just concentrating on the resurrection of Jesus and the implications that the resurrection has for us. And so I've been super excited about this new series that Pastor Sean launched last week called Close encounters where we're looking at some of the resurrection appearances that Jesus made to his followers and just trying to discern what are the lessons that we can learn from some of the responses we see to the news and the appearances of Jesus in his resurrected form. And so I'm excited to lean into this with you. I have to admit that uh, when teaching team was together, uh, we were talking about this series, we were kind of brainstorming and and the term close encounters kind of bubbled up to the service as the, the title for this series. And I, I recognize there's a couple of different ways that you can go creatively with this. You could talk about a close encounter in a, in a good or a bad way based on like, you know, oh, I, I, I met a celebrity on the street and I didn't expect it. That's a good close encounter, depending on how you feel about the celebrity. Or, you know, kind of like what Pastor Sean talked about last week, you could open up your attic and be staring at yellow jackets. That's a bad close encounter. But I have to tell you that my mind instantly went in a very sci-fi direction. For those of you who know me, that's no surprise, but my mind went to science fiction. 
I am a child of the 70s, of the early 80s, and so I grew up watching films like Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now, there were some teaching team members, some other pastors on staff that said, oh, I don't really like that movie. I love that movie. It was great, and it, it kind of led, it fueled a love for me of the science fiction genre along with Star Wars, and it led me to E.T., and then I got to thinking about this whole alien invasion genre, and I promise I'm going somewhere with this, I promise, but I thought of a TV show that I, I loved as a college student, as a young adult in the 90s, called The X-Files. Now, spoiler alert, X-Files was about an alien invasion that was being covered up by the government, and there were FBI agents that were trying to uncover this mystery. And one of the main protagonists of the show was a dude by the name of Agent Fox Mulder. And I remember vividly that in his office, almost every episode we would see this, there was a poster that was pinned up to his wall. Take a look at this. I want to believe. And it was this great visual reminder of the dance between belief and skepticism that was embedded into the narrative of the show, really between the two protagonists, the two FBI agents. They would go back and forth on belief and skepticism. Now, I know, I know, leave it to me to think of alien invasions and science fiction in relation to an Eastertide sermon, but, but here we are. And it occurs to me that this poster, maybe minus the flying saucer bit, serves as a great meme or maybe kind of a, a great subtitle for the passage that we're gonna be interacting with today. I want to believe. It's a passage that fe features Jesus, of course, but it also features a disciple named Thomas. And if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to John chapter 20, and we'll be looking at this passage starting in verse 24. Let me read it over us. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it until I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The, the doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. <laughs> then he looked at Thomas. Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Thomas exclaimed, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. What a great story. And, and I wanna start real, real quick with kind of a word association exercise. Not all of you might have an answer to this, but, but I, I think many of us who have been exposed to the scriptures will have an answer. And so I wanna ask you, when you first hear the name Thomas in, in relation to one of the disciples of Jesus, when you, when you first hear the name Thomas, what's the first word that comes to your head that's associated with him? My guess is that many of you settled on the word doubt, right? That, 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 that's actually a phrase that we use. It's kind of a slang term, like, don't be such a, a doubting Thomas, right? 
in context, it might be like, oh, the Bears are going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, I kind of doubt it. Don't be such a doubting Thomas. Like that's a phrase that was literally hardwired from this passage. And and it's, it's just really interesting to me. Whereas last week, the the followers of Jesus walking the road to Emmaus, getting their Fitbit steps in, their their initial response was that of surprise. This week, we get a completely different type of response in that Thomas, he responds with skepticism. He responds with doubt. Now, last week, Pastor Sean mentioned that Jesus made five post-resurrection appearances just on Easter day, right? And then there were a few others that were timed out after that. But, but one of those five original Easter day appearances was to a group of Jesus's disciples, really 10 of them, minus Judas and minus Thomas. And we're reminded of this fact in this passage that Thomas actually missed that initial appearance. And this sets up this, this post-resurrection appearance that happens eight days after the resurrection. He is living in a skeptical limbo for eight days. But friends, make no mistake, he wanted to believe, kind of like the X-Files poster. He wanted to believe. Eight days is a long time, plenty of time for, for Thomas to jump off the Jesus bandwagon. And yet eight days later, here he is still hanging out with the disciples, still leaning towards Jesus The whole time he wanted to believe he just needed a little help. And that kind of leads me to the first observation that I would make about this passage. And that's to say that Jesus is not repelled by our doubt. Jesus is not turned off by our doubt. We see in this passage, Jesus is not dismissive of Thomas. These are not words of anger from Jesus. In fact, I can almost see Jesus with kind of a a half smile on his face, engaging Thomas, kind of saying, all right, Thomas, you asked for it, right? It's a weird request, might even be a little bit gross, but you can put your finger into my nail wounds. You can put your hand into my side wound. If that's what you need to do, here we go. Jesus was open to this conversation. Jesus was intentional about this conversation. Why? Well, because he loved Thomas, but but also he knew that there was ripple for us. He he knew that, that we would need this story as well because he knows that part of the human existence is is this thing called doubt, that it's a normal part, it's a regular part of human existence. In fact, notice at the very end of this passage in verse 29, he includes a statement, not for Thomas, but for us, where he says, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's us, friends. Blessed are those who work out their faith in the midst of their doubt without all of the, maybe the physical evidence that Thomas had, right? Jesus doesn't turn away from our doubt. He's not intimidated by our doubt. He welcomes our questions. Now, he may not choose to answer all of our questions all at one time, but he welcomes the conversation. He provides safe space for us to ask those questions. He's patient with us as we work out our faith issues in partnership with him. See, I think that there's been a stigma that's, that's been attached to doubt in the, the church at large, right? It, it almost puts doubt 
bordering on the category of sin. It almost puts doubt, it almost puts like kind of asking a tough question right there on the verge of, of like rebellion, right? And, and, and I just have such a hard time tracking with that. Because when I look at Jesus, when I look at his conversations, I see a person who was open to tough questions. I see a person who's willing to have honest conversations. He wasn't allergic to doubt. Now, this is kind of a sidebar, so bear with me for a moment. But we don't know a whole lot about Thomas. We, he's, he's mentioned in all four gospels, but really Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they only list him by name in like a disciple list. But the gospel of John gives us three snapshots related to Thomas. The, the, the last snapshot of those three is the one we just looked at and we'll continue to look at today. There's another brief moment uh, attached to Thomas that is uh, it, it's kind of a part of the Lazarus raising from the dead in John chapter 11. We don't have time to get into that today. But then there's this brief Thomas moment that's fascinating to me in John chapter 14. It's in the middle of this long conversation that Jesus is having uh, with his disciples. It's sort of a, a, almost a farewell speech in a way. It's an insider look at how Jesus was preparing his disciples for, for when he would eventually go. And in verses three and four in John 14, Jesus makes this statement. He says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. And then in verse five, we get this really interesting snapshot where, where Thomas is name dropped for the second time in the gospel of John. And we have him on record asking a good clarifying question that erupts out of confusion and probably even a little doubt. He says, to Jesus, no, no, Jesus, we don't know. We, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And it actually sets up this really great, it's kind of like a, a slow pitch softball right in the strike zone where Jesus just gives this famous home run statement in verse six, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. And in the snapshot, we find Thomas willing to ask the tough, maybe even embarrassing question in order to, to step from confusion to clarity. He, he kind of raised his hand and he said, Jesus, I don't understand. That's ask, actually a, a very risky move. Asking a question like this is, that's, that's a, he's putting himself out there. And, and there is courage attached to this. Sometimes I think we should attach not just doubt to Thomas, but a little bit of courage because he fought for clarity. But notice in all of that, Jesus is not repelled. He's not angry. He's not frustrated by Thomas's question. Jesus actually welcomes this conversation. And friends, listen, Jesus welcomes conversation with you as well. Even if your conversation, even if your questions start from a place of doubt, he wants to have the conversation with you. He's not repelled by you. He's not repelled by your doubt. He wants to meet you right in the middle of all of those things. He, he's not going to be pushy. He's not going to be overbearing. He just wants to take maybe the slow journey with you towards faith. In fact, this leads to a second observation about this passage. And I, I see that 
God can turn a roadblock of doubt into an avenue of understanding and belief. Maybe to say it a slightly different way, sometimes doubt is the context in which God is able to reveal himself in a clearer way. And I think this is such good news for us. I I can't tell you how many stories I've heard over the years of people who start the journey with a skeptic's heart and they start the journey of exploring Christianity or exploring the scriptures or whatever, and they go on this journey of discovery and they finally land in a place of faith. It reminds me of the situation with Thomas, right? Thomas makes his skepticism known. He states exactly what he needs in order to believe. He states his doubt. And then for eight days, he lives in the context of this this fogginess of doubt. And as I mentioned before, it sure seems like it's a forward-leaning doubt, right? It's to quote a different scripture. It seems like a, I want to believe, help me in my unbelief kind of doubt. And Jesus is good for it. Jesus meets Thomas right in the middle of all of this and provides an avenue for his better understanding and true belief. In fact, it's fascinating to me, but one commentator even mentions that Thomas, uh, in the Gospel of John, outside of like John's narration, outside of anything Jesus might have said about himself, that, that Thomas is actually the first person quoted in the Gospel of John to ascribe the title to Jesus of God, where he says, my Lord and my God. I mean, this is amazing considering where he started, right? He started with, I won't believe unless dot, 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 and gets to a place of my Lord and my God. Jesus turned the roadblock of Thomas's doubt into an avenue of worship and surrender and devotion, it turned into the recognition that Jesus is the one true king. And yes, Jesus is God. Another sidebar, but I think of Psalm 22 uh, in a similar light to all of this, that that Psalm 22 actually serves as sort of like a, a mini example or a microcosm of this type of journey, where this is a Psalm written by David. It starts with two hard hitting questions right at the beginning. The first question is gonna be familiar to many of us where it says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus quotes this Psalm hanging from the cross. But then David doubles up, he doubles down on this. And and his second question is, why are you God? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? These questions seem to be bubbling up from a a, a place of deep pain and doubt. And over the course of Psalm 22, we actually see David take a lyrical journey from doubt to trust. And by the end, David concludes Psalm 22 with some extraordinary statements. Statements like, future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear everything he has done. Sometimes doubt is the context in which God uses to usher in clarity for you and for me. Now, friends, I don't know what doubts may be haunting you right now. I don't know where you're at with things. We all kind of live in different environments and situations. We rub shoulders with different people. Each of us process life in different ways. Sometimes we we process life from a a past wound or, or our personality or our wiring. But I want you to know that your doubt does not disqualify you 
from having journey with Jesus. Jesus is not repelled by your doubt. He's not angry with you. You don't even have to hide your doubt. You shouldn't hide your doubt. You should own it like David, like Thomas, to actually state it plainly, to say, Lord, I don't understand. That in and of itself is an act of courage. State your concern, state your doubt, all of your questions, and then allow Jesus to meet with you and sit with you in the middle of all of that, in the middle of those concerns, in the middle of those questions. Now listen, Jesus might not answer you quite as literally as he answered Thomas, right? Thomas was very specific about what he wanted and Jesus gave it to him. But, but, but hear me, Jesus will always lean into you when you attempt to lean into him. Even when you lean into him with significant doubt or concern or question, that, that he will lean into you and the gift of his presence cannot be overstated. He does not and will not shy away from you. He will not leave you alone to just simply be consumed by your doubt. Now, I do wanna point out one other thing that I see in this passage that might be easy to miss, uh, but I think Thomas benefits from this. And, and I actually think it's a facet of faith journey that we would all benefit from if we're willing to lean in. And that's to, to say that Thomas surrounded himself with faith community. We see it in this whole passage that, that, that clearly, even in those eight days of skepticism, he still was in dialogue with, with his friends, with that disciple, the disciples of Jesus group circle, right? He, that he, he kept pressing in. He, that was where he expressed his skepticism. And the, the scriptures make it clear that Thomas stayed in contact with them. And when Jesus finally did appear, where do we find him? We find him in the context of his faith community, surrounded by other disciples who were on the same journey as him. When we're plagued with doubt, it can be easy to isolate ourselves from our faith community. I've, I've done it before myself. I've seen others do it, that, that we kind of just assume that, look, uh, this struggle, I don't want to bother anybody else with this. I, I don't want to go to my small group and raise this concern because that'll throw a grenade into a otherwise, you know, good conversation or whatever. We, we sort of have these, these assumptions that we make on other people. And when we do that, we miss the benefits of conversing with loving and patient people who are also pursuing Jesus. It's actually an act of self-sabotage to remove ourselves, to lean away from our faith community. And I would just encourage you, even in moments of significant doubt, lean in, reach out to a trusted friend, reach out to a pastor, you know, join a small group, join a service group, a volunteer on a team kind of a thing. Lean in, rub shoulders with people who are actively pursuing Jesus. See, I think that there are seasons in our life when we need our faith community when we actually need their faith to help supplement our faith, when, when our faith is weak and we need them to surround us and, and sort of gird us up. I, I remember you know, that, that great story about the paralyzed man who was carried to Jesus by his friends, that, that, that all of the gospels that share that story talk about how when Jesus saw their faith, plural, the faith of the friends, he brought healing and he brought forgiveness to the one on the mat. I love the story because it reminds us that when you face doubt, when you, when you face 
concern or question, lean into community and allow their faith to strengthen your faith. Allow your faith community to carry you to Jesus. My friends, I, I am so thankful that we have this story included in the scriptures, this close encounter that Thomas had with Jesus. And I'm grateful that Jesus leaned in, even as Thomas stated, he would not believe unless, right? But I, I love that Jesus created an avenue of fresh belief and imagination for Thomas, even in the context of doubt. And Jesus extends that same gift to you and to me, that even in the context of doubt, Jesus patiently sits with us in our confusion. Jesus graciously provides faith community for us along the way. And my prayer is that Jesus would help turn your statements of, I won't believe unless, into grand declarations like my Lord and my God. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for this reminder in the scriptures that you are not repelled by doubt, that you welcome conversation, you are not intimidated by questions, and that you're willing to journey with us. I thank you that you are able to do miraculous things in the context of doubt, that you are able to bring bring about fresh belief and imagination, even as we bring questions and concerns and doubts to you. So Lord, I, I pray for my friends. I pray that if there's anyone that is hearing this, watching this, anyone that has doubts, that they would freely own them and bring them to you and lay them at your feet and ask for you to help process with them those struggles, those doubts that they have. And I know that you're good for it. And I thank you for that. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
As we continue to live into this season of resurrection, we're convinced that there's a next step for you in connecting with God, others, and your purpose in the life of heritage. We know that there is a life of adventure and purpose and meaning waiting for you as you take your next steps with Jesus. We have some great next steps opportunities headed your way and invite you to process those and journey with us in them. Those include opportunities like stepping into the waters of baptism. If you have said yes to Jesus and received him as the one who forgives and leads you, the very first invitation that he gives us is to step into baptism and let the world around us know we are free to live in him. You can register for our next baptism opportunity coming up on May 16th at heritageqc.com or by using the Church Center app and clicking on Baptism in the Events tab. If you haven't yet stepped into a relationship with Jesus, that is your next step. It's a space of life and purpose and adventure untold. And so if that's your next step, we want to process with you what that means. And we encourage you to fill out a connect card again in those two spaces or text the word faith to the number on the screen. Other next steps might include connecting in relationship with others in our group environments. It's not too late to sign up for learning groups and life groups that are meeting all across the region. Great spaces of connecting with other people in meaningful ways. We also encourage you to check out opportunities to serve on a team with us. You know, as God is writing an incredible story in these days through the Heritage family, and as we expand incrementally how it is that we're connecting with and ministering both here at home and across our region, there are opportunities to join in that story that he's telling by serving on a team. You can connect with us at heritageqc.com and fill out the connect card right there. It lists team opportunities where you can be part of what God is doing in some incredible ways. Beyond that, we're so thankful for the ways many of you have given sacrificially in hopeful partnership with us as we've seen God do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we could ask or imagine. So for those of you who have given, thank you. You are part of that bigger story. And if you've considered giving to Heritage, we encourage you to go to heritageqc.com give. You'll find out more about us and how to connect with us through hopeful partnership and radical we're convinced the best is yet to come. So we encourage you to connect with us, connect with God, others in your purpose, in new ways in the days ahead. And we hope to see you soon. You go.
thinking still.